You're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Today's podcast is with Jason Lee, one of the co-founders of Tom Yum. Uh, as Jason puts it, Tom Yum is a design partnership that is working its way to become a product design agency. And I'm definitely rooting that uh, it will become an agency by Jason's definitions uh, in the near future as he continues to grow the company. Jason is a fellow accounting alum from the University of Waterloo. But unlike many in our program, like myself included, he did not pursue the accountant's path by joining a big four and getting a CA. He had initially intended to, but he started listening to his heart and pursued product design after graduating. And many of my fellow business friends think a transition to a designer without an artistic or technical background is not possible, but Jason has done it. We talk about how he built up a portfolio and what he had in the portfolio, his experience working at Thanks, a Sequoia-backed startup, and his experience coming back to Toronto and building a design agency and just how the tech environment in Toronto is actually very much booming and what made him come to Toronto compared to staying in San Francisco um, back with his successful the operating startup. And so before we go into the conversation, quick reminder um, to support the podcast by leaving it a five-star review on iTunes and even um, leaving a positive review about it in any way might have helped you, really helps the podcast reach a wider audience, and I would really appreciate it. And in in showing that appreciation, I will definitely give you a shout-out in the next podcast introduction. And yeah, so b- without further ado, if you are an, an if you are an aspiring designer, this is definitely the chat for you. But if you if you're not an aspiring designer like me, this will continue to be a fun and eye opening conversation to breaking into the field of product design. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Jason Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Today on the podcast, we have Jason Lee from Tam Yum. Hey Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Jason here is the co-founder of Tam Yum. And Jason, for our audience members who are not familiar with Tam Yum, could you describe the company, please? Yeah, so I would describe us as uh, an independent team of designers. So we work a lot with startups, tech companies in particular, to help them build and design their product, their brand, and their website. Gotcha. And so when you say independent team, um, what do you mean by that? So I, I don't want to use the label agency or studio. I don't think we're quite there yet. So right now, Tom Yum is just me and my design partner, and we have a couple of freelance designers that we reach out to. Um, we don't have a physical office space. So I think independent team of designers is just my like, humble way of saying we're not quite there yet, but we're up and coming. Gotcha. And the name Tum Yum, um, where did that come from? 
do you guys <laughs> is that an idea to specialize in food companies i know your clients are not necessarily just food companies but how did it happen yeah i get that question a lot so tom yum was actually going to be a food discovery app um, so food is a big interest of mine i love to discover new restaurants and the original idea for tom yum is um, it's this place where you discover what to eat based off of what your friends have eaten or people that you follow have eaten so you know the issue with yelp and google is you see all these reviews for these restaurants but everyone's reviewing for different reasons now imagine you have this app that lets you see what people you trust have eaten at specific restaurants it's almost like a special catered menu towards you when you open up the app um, that's what time was going to be it essentially it was a food discovery app but uh, as I began to design and build that app, more design work started coming in and, you know, there was no actual time to build the app. So I sort of pivoted it into an agency and I didn't want to come up with a new name because I incorporated Tom Yum already. So, you know, now we're Tom Yum Designs. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So do you have a big Instagram account with a lot of food pictures? No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> Are you working on that? Uh, I... I had an account for some time I wouldn't say it was big like it only had a few hundred followers and I was posting food photos every day and that was sort of in anticipation of of this app I wanted to build an audience of foodies uh, but I just that, that was abandoned as I got more and more busy gotcha and I want to take our I guess chat to an earlier era or era for you um, where did you grow up did you grow up around here Yes, uh, I am. I grew up in Markham, uh, and I was there since I was mm, about six years old, seven years old. So mostly from around here. Gotcha. And when you were like six or seven, what uh, what kind of dream career did you have? I had a few. I think my earliest, the earliest career I remember is being like a one of those like lion dancers for you know those Chinese New Year like those those lion dance guys I wanted to be that I don't remember why I think I just saw one and I thought they were really cool jumping around and I sort of wanted to do that um, I wanted to be a detective at one point I don't remember why maybe I think it was because I watched Inspector Gadget um, and then one point I wanted to be a comedian because I heard they make a lot of money and then I realized it wasn't that funny so I really didn't move forward with that and then Another career I wanted to do, I wanted to be a, a movie director. I don't know why, but uh, that was one of the jobs I wanted to do. All right. Quite uh, slightly exotic, yeah. I want to say. Um, and I, I don't think it's that too dissimilar from um, your current role as a designer, actually. Um, you gotta be a lot of cre- you got to be very creative in all those fields. And you told me about how you started actually selling logos and stuff on 99designs in high school. Did, were you always kind of into art as a younger student? Yeah, I went to art school. I, uh, I learned sketching, I learned watercoloring, and that's just because my parents wanted me to have extracurriculars. Uh, but I was always into design. I think it was grade seven when I first picked up my bootleg version of Photoshop and I was you know, designing forum avatars and forum signatures. And um, design was always something that I was interested in. Gotcha. And when you say art school, is it like some special immersive program that you go no, through? No, no, it was just like Saturday afternoon classes. Got it. Yeah. And so when you know when I look at your uh, LinkedIn profile, you know you went from University of Waterloo, the accounting and finance program. So 
same alma mater, same program. Uh, I think you were a year ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we, we really interacted much. Um, and then, so for people who don't know, our program has a co-op system and you went through a bunch of business co-ops that didn't really seem to resonate much well with like being a designer. And then you end up going into going to New York with a UX UI like design internship. So how did that uh, switch come about? Like, or first, actually take me to why did you go to accounting when you knew you liked design? Yeah, why yeah, did you yeah. Do accounting? that's a good question. I get asked that a lot. So uh, I thought I was good at accounting. Um, it was in grade 11 when I took my first accounting uh, class and the teacher, you know, I was like getting perfect in all my accounting tests and the teacher made me feel really good about it. So I was like, you know, accounting is, is amazing. I'm, I'm really good at it. Uh, grade 12 was when I sort of got the early signs that I wasn't so good at it, but, you know, I, was, I, was, I still wanted to go through and be an accountant. I think at that time, um, CAs were pushing, like they had this huge marketing push. Everyone wanted to be a CA. I wanted to be a CA, even though I didn't know what that actually meant in the real world. Um, and then when time came around to pick a university, I just was like, okay, I'm going to go to Waterloo. Waterloo is, has a great accounting program. They have co-op. Uh, so I picked Waterloo. Um, and then it was, I think it was in my first year when I started realizing like I really, really hated accounting. Uh, and my, my grades were bad in first year. And that's like, you know, first year accounting, AFM should be pretty easy. Yeah, no, so that, that part actually resonated really well with you because, um, so for me, I've, I'd never taken accounting before. I didn't know what accounting was. I had no idea what economics and any of that stuff was because my high school back when I was in Vancouver didn't offer any business electives yep. so um, when I applied to school I, I applied for engineering at Waterloo and I got the full like engineering scholarships and everything and I just applied to accounting as like a just like a side thought I was like oh I like people a lot I like talking to a lot of people I heard engineers don't get to do a lot of that I heard business does I think accounting is like business I'm just going to apply to it and I just eventually I just on a whim just decided to just do accounting last minute um, but when I went into Waterloo, my first year was devastating just because I had never <laughs> taken accounting before, but everyone else had done it in high school and everyone was saying, oh, it's so easy. And yep. no one showed up to class. Everyone just got it. My professors were just awful because I remember the first class, she asked, she asked the question of how many of you have, here have taken accounting in high school? So everyone puts their hand up except yep. me. And she goes, oh, great this must be easy for you then. And then she just blazes past it, which was so counterintuitive because now people who didn't get it were even more behind. Um, and so, yeah, like I I had an existential crisis of whether I wanted to be an accountant in the first year as well. But I obviously went through with it. Um, but for you, how did that uh, yeah experience like, change you? Um, so... Oh yeah, so so to go back to your question earlier, why Sorry, did yeah, I stick I, with designing? Because um, yeah, yeah. I think it'll sort of play into this answer. Uh, d- I knew design was always an interest of mine, so I knew that I would learn it on my own, so I wanted to sort of diversify my skill set. So that's why I went into accounting while knowing that I can learn design on the side. Um, and I think it, it, even in my first year, like I, I was following along everyone else. Everyone wanted to be a CA, and to be a CA, you need to get a job at a big four accounting firm. Um, so I, I tried all of that. Uh, my grades weren't good enough, so I tried for the banks. Uh, again, my grades weren't good enough. So what was my first? Yeah, my first co-op job was like an unpaid internship at Investors Group, and I got that outside of um, Waterloo Works or whatever it was called back then, Jobmine. 
uh, and I had to find that on my own. So I was doing marketing and I was doing cold calling for my first job. Um, and then uh, from there, I went to Ontario Power Generation where I did you know general business stuff. Um, and then I moved on to RBC Capital Markets, not doing actual finance. I was again supporting um, the front office, back office, I don't remember. Um, again, doing more Excel stuff. Uh, I don't remember your question. Actually. <laughs> no, the, the 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 question was yeah, like how you even got into accounting in the first place when you already you know knew that you liked to design, and so yeah, yeah, you know, it, was, it was all the marketing. Yeah, CA did a great job with their marketing push. I I also think there's there was that thing with um like you know each generation has a those moments in history that impact a shift, and for me. Um, I think the thought of going to accounting came in because when we were in high school, the financial crisis had happened, and you see all these kids who graduate from university without jobs in so many fields. But for some reason, um, people kept on saying accounting is so stable; you're not gonna be jobless even in a crisis, which is not true. Um, because I was a consultant whose job was to get rid of waste, or you know, um, not waste, but highly cost costly things and that's what accountants are for organizations so my job at some points were to actually fire as many accounts as we could from some companies so that myth was debunked but yeah i think that was, there was like kind of that generational thing where the accounting thing was the thing for everyone to go to because i remember so many people went into accounting yeah um during our period and nowadays not that many people actually go anymore because now we've been in a bull cycle for so long in the markets yeah yeah you do bring up a good point i think the timing wise right made people think about job stability and accounting did seem like a very stable job at the time Uh, and also being asian you know you want to appeal to your asian parents and accounting is like one of the professions that that an asian parent would want you to go into so right i i didn't know that either until i came to waterloo right yeah um because uh my my parents were a little i think Luckily, they were very accepting of the Western cultures. Like they, they told me not to be a lawyer or a doctor because they said I'd be miserable. And I said, I want to do business. And then that's when my dad just recommended. He's like, oh, then maybe you should do accounting because I heard it's like if you want to do business and you want to know the language of business and that's what accounting is. So I was like, oh, good point. All right, I'll do that. Um, so when you were in school, like how did you build up this design skill set? Um, were you taking classes on the side or how did you learn? Uh, so I was still designing logos and selling them on 99designs. Uh, and and that, that was actually a, a big, you know, big thing for me because that was the first time I realized that people are willing to pay for my design work. Uh, so while I was in school, I sort of, um, I stepped aside from 99designs and I started, you know, pitching design service to other people. Uh, I'd had a few small jobs here and there. But the biggest exposure to design was back in second year when I started to work on my own startup or, or let's say project I don't I, I don't want to label it startup because it never really got anywhere uh, but I was the designer for that project and uh, with two other co-founders we we spent a couple of years trying to build it uh, and market it and and that really was what exposed me to design was it uh was it an app that you were building yes so it was a social address book app and uh, the idea really came up when I was at a conference and all these people were exchanging their contact information and their social media information. Uh, and I met these two guys at a conference and, you know, we were so pumped. It was an entrepreneurship conference. So, like, there were all these really successful entrepreneurs there and we we're like, yeah, let's, we got to start our own company together. And we realized, like, uh, 
you know, there's an opportunity in creating an app that simplifies the way you exchange contact information. So uh, this app was meant to solve the issue of having outdated address books, um, as well as like having one place to put all your social media stuff. And instead of like, you know, you updating your address book with my new number and my new information, all I need to do is I update it on my end and it gets pushed to all my contacts. So it's like sort of flipping the way address books are typically updated. So we thought that was a good opportunity, um, and you know we tried building that out. And why why didn't you, I guess, quote unquote, succeed or make it actually become a startup? We were moving too slowly. There there were people that were dedicating their full time into building this. Some people went into Y Combinator. Some companies went into Y Combinator. Um, some companies were able to raise seed funding, and then there were already you know better products out there. Um, and we realized one issue with uh, our idea is that it's it was just simply a utility app and we didn't have a reason for people to come back and open up the app over and over again. So like, you know, you would only open up the app when you want to exchange contact information for someone. And that's not enough engagement that, that we would have liked. So we decided to stop. Mm. And you, you kept up still pursuing business-based co-op terms while you were in school. Uh, until it seems close to like, the end of it when you decide, decide to say, you know, no more. I'm just going to go into design. What was the tipping point moment? Like, why did you say, you know, because the initial premise was, okay, I'm going to diversify, get the CA, and still work on my design. But you ended up just saying, you know, fuck this shit. I'm just going to go straight to design. Yeah. What happened? I think it was up until my third co-op point uh, term where I still, a part of me still wanted to, you know, go into business or do accounting. I thought I could do it. Um, and just having, so my third term was at RBC and having worked in a bank, I was like, no, this is not where I want to be. Like, you know, this this place is draining. I'm like, all I'm, I'm, I'm just doing Excel for everyone. Like all these people who have graduated from school working at this bank at RBC Capital Markets, like they don't know how to do Excel. So they're telling me, a co-op kid, to do all their Excel work. Uh, and I'm I'm just like learning everything as I go. So like, I became the Excel guy in the office, and I was like, I don't I don't want to work with people like this when I graduate. So for my fourth co-op term, I told myself I wanted to do something different, um, and you know, design was something that I was really really passionate about. So uh, I saw a posting for you know a, a UX position in New York City, and I was like, well, that's that's really really different than what I've been doing. So I so I went for it. Yeah, and it, like. You know, you make it sound it's like it's so easy. Where it's an accounting student with a bunch of business co-op terms finally applying for a UX UI position in New York. So connect the dots for me there, because um, I don't think many would have even considered that, even if they had any inkling of wanting to design. Like, or just like, did you have a whole portfolio built ahead of time um, to apply for? Like, what was the process like? So my portfolio was just a bunch of random things pieced together. So um, let's see, I had I had the app that I had designed, and f- at that point we already had a few iterations of it. So I had like you know a few versions of the app designed to show, and I was able to tell the story of how we got from point A to wherever we ended up. Uh, and then I had some logos to show. Uh, I was also the one of the gra- the design guys at AFSA. So. I was designing posters and other, you know, stuff like that. So I had graphic design examples to show, um, which now that I think about it, like it was kind of weird because this was a user experience design job. 
and even when I was applying to it, I didn't I didn't really know what user experience meant. So I, I showed them all this graphic design work, uh, and I guess I got lucky because they they took me. But like, I think even like two months into that job, I was like, why why aren't we designing the visual part of it? Like, why are we just like talking to people and designing wireframes? Like, I can let me do the visual the the, the pretty side of it too. Um, and then that's when I realized, oh, like, I was a, I was a UX designer. I wasn't a designer. Gotcha. So, how would you um, like to explain to someone like me who's you know not a designer and not that familiar with the field? You when people say UX UI designer, they're talking about two completely separate different things. In right, UI is one one form and UX is one form. Correct. Yes. So. I have a different view on that, but UX and UI are different. So there are UX designers, and UX stands for user experience. So their focus is more on interviewing users, understanding their needs, coming up with user personas, and all this stuff that sort of feeds into um, the wireframes that they create. So what's a wireframe? A wireframe is just a really rough uh, sketch of what you want the design to be like gotcha so just like frames of how an app interface would look yeah think about like an app interface without like the pretty colors or the pretty visual layer over it so it's the wireframe so the reason they do that is because their focus is more on the the experience the user flow and like what you know one button like what yeah on the overall experience so UI designer is more of the visual side of it Um, you know they take the UX designer's wireframe, they add color, they they make sure that it's according to brand, they make it attractive. So when people say UX, UI together, they, they sort of like, they're trying to combine those two design roles. And to me, that's that's what I think design should be. It's like a, a design, a, a UI designer should also be considering the user experience and the user experience designer should also be considering the look and feel of it because all that plays together at the end. Um, but People like to separate the two. Right. And yeah, it seems, I, I totally agree with what you're talking about, where it seems that, yeah, why well, would you compartmentalize it? It seems that you have to, you still want to be able to see the full picture and actually understand the full flow. And I guess that's what also some people just call product designers. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I sort of see product designers as similar, similar to UX, UI. Uh, product designers, in, in my, my definition, like they, they consider more of the business side of things too. Um, so it's not just about making a pretty interface that works well, that that's intuitive, but it's also like concerning the whole business aspect, like how is this going to achieve our business objectives? And product designers, you know, come up with new features and ideas to move the business forward. Gotcha. And so from your time in New York, you know, you you've got you get this user experience, um, design experience, and uh, you know, it's not exactly what you anticipated, but at the same time, it's probably better than what you did at the bank yes and so you come back you come back to school um and so now what what's going into your head what if uh what direction are you thinking of taking yeah so i was like this is cool i i got some ux design experience uh it was it was you know i learned a lot from it i learned how to do user interviews how to talk to people uh, and i learned the importance of that um so you know i took that as a base and i wanted to build on top of it i wanted to become a product designer I wanted to be able to do the full stack of design work so um, I think New York was like really what made me realize like okay enough of trying to go down this business route enough of trying to become an accountant like this is who I really am 
I should m move full speed ahead with accounting and finance. Uh, sorry, <laughs> with design. Um, but by, but by then, you know, I had one more term of school left, so I might as well finish it and get my degree. Gotcha. And were you thinking of doing any additional form of education uh, to be a designer, like boot camps or other courses, or going back to school, like joining going to like OCAD or something in Toronto? Did those kind of thoughts enter your mind, or was it just straight up, I'm just going to find a job as a designer somewhere else? No, I had enough of school. <laughs> I, I wanted to just get out there and learn things on my own. I feel like uh, my view on education, and, and this doesn't apply to every in everything, but like uh, it's better to learn by doing the actual work than just to sit in school and read a textbook. Yeah, practice over theory. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, yeah, like after, after graduating, you ended up joining, um, how do you pronounce it? Thanks? Thanks. Thanks, yeah, mm -hmm. um, with an X. And Thanks was a uh, well well funded startup down in San Francisco. It was funded by Sequoia for its Series A. Um, how did you go about finding that opportunity? Yeah, so there was a few months between graduation and joining this company where I wanted where I was able to build up my portfolio a little bit more. Uh, so I did a few more freelancing jobs. Uh, I did a lot of unsolicited redesigns. So um, you know, I knew I didn't have case studies on my portfolio, and at the same time. I didn't have that many clients I worked with, so what I did was uh, I took something that I didn't think was designed well and I redesigned it and I wrote blog posts about why uh, I designed things that way. Um, and that sort of gave prospective employers like a preview into the way I think. Um, and that was sort of what was able to land me the job in San Francisco. And again, I think I got lucky, but it uh, worked out. Oh, no, I, I think you, you make your own luck. You know, you, you're working hard and you're constantly building up this portfolio. Like, so I'm, I'm not very familiar with, you know, the portfolio element of like, the, like, what designers mean when, you know, they're saying, I'm mm -hmm. going to build a portfolio and, you know, I'm going to work on a portfolio and then go into apply to this job or, you know, get another gig. Is there a point where you're supposed to feel ready about a portfolio? Like, is there some kind of benchmark where, oh, you, you should have 10 ideas or 10 projects done, where one's an app, one's a desktop application? Like, is there some kind of benchmark that you're relying on? So I think it depends on what sort of design job you're applying for. So if you're applying to be a product designer, um, typically product design interviews ask you to pick, you know, two or three things from your portfolio to talk about. So if you have two or three things that you are able to talk about in your portfolio that's enough and you can go apply for jobs that way um, so yeah gotcha and these freelancing gigs uh, how did you find them through like Upworks or hmm a lot of some of them were referrals some of them were cold emails uh, there was only like four or five that I actually did so it wasn't that much uh, mostly from referrals wow and so then you are you just predominantly working for like startups and helping them actually design their application, like their main product? So I think even back then I didn't have much product design experience. I was doing graphic design. So I was, I was doing like infographics, uh, website designs, one pagers, landing pages. Uh, it wasn't actually product design. Um, so my only product design experience at that time was designing my own app. Um, and eventually when I joined Thanks, I was able to get a lot more of that experience. Got it. So now if I wanted to then uh, get a better definition of graphic design versus product design, uh, how, would you, how would you say they're different? So graphic design is much more visual oriented. So think about you know, 
posters, branding, marketing, all that requires graphic design. And it's not necessarily about how people are interacting. Um, it's not about user flow. It's not about how people are interacting with the app. Uh, it's more about you know, conveying a message visually. Um, so graphic design, my, my definition doesn't encompass UI, UX. Uh, product design is more about like designing an app or um, just just an experience that a digital experience that people interact with on their screens, whether it's your mobile phone or you know on their computer. Got it. And what what made you want to be more of a product designer from a graphic designer? Because you already were doing a lot of graphic design. Yeah, you make more money as a product designer. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. How much is it materially more? Uh, for me, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I can I can be open with with the money. So, uh, I went based off of my research, and again, this this is just my research. So I don't know how true it is, but graphic designers make anywhere from sixty seventy k. Product designers can make over a hundred thousand dollars. So, it's that simple. Got it. And so you you end up going to Thanks and you're in San Francisco and you spend about two, you spent about two years there, right? As it's as yeah, two and a half years. Two and a half years. And after that, instead of joining another startup, you came back to Toronto and that's when you um, created Tum Yum and mm-hmm. are now part of um, a partnership. Why, what was the transition like there? Like why did you decide to leave Thanks and come back to Toronto? I think I was able to learn what I wanted to learn at Thanks. You know, I wanted to go down there to experience what design was like in Silicon Valley. It's San Francisco, so San Francisco is actually not part of Silicon Valley, but that whole environment still exists. The Bay Area. Yeah, the Bay Area. Um, I wanted to learn product design. I wanted so at Thanks, I was able to wear a lot of hats. So I was not only doing the product design; I was designing the website, the brand sales collateral, marketing material, pitch decks for the CEO. And I was able to experience a lot of that. Um, so one of the reasons to come back was because, you know, I knew the the startup scene in Toronto is, is booming and it's still booming. And I think it w- it's just a really good opportunity to come back and say, hey, uh, I came from, I, I designed in the Bay Area. Um, you know, I can wear multiple design hats. You don't need to hire a design agency. You don't need to hire three, four designers to do all these different things. I can do all of that. So that was my main pitch to startups. It's like, work with me instead of multiple other people. And how 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 effective has that been? This um, the the pitch of oh yeah, I I was at a you know very well very well funded startup in Silicon Valley compared to like if you were just a you know another product designer in Toronto. Is there is there a kind of bias that is in favor? There you? there is a bias, and to be honest, I really don't know if there's any real difference. But to be able to tell that story is very very convincing to people. Gotcha. Yeah, the designers in Toronto are very talented. I wouldn't think that designers back in, in the Bay Area are any better than designers here. And you you know, you have no like, uh, I guess like, because there's I feel like there's a notion where. A lot of engineers or tech talent people want to stay in San Fran and just want to be part of that, you know, that ecosystem too, which is also continuously booming. Um, I don't know at the rate that it's continuously growing at, but it like it is the hub. And so, do you ever like miss that? I I miss San Francisco. Oh, you do? I miss the people there, but I think 
Toronto is starting to have that sort of same boom. And I think I want to be here to experience that because it's just going to keep growing and growing here. I think it's it's more exciting to be in Toronto than it is to be in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What, what really makes you feel that? Like, how, how do you know that there's a boom? Is there, what kind of, like, tell signs have you, like, experienced yourself? Uh, there's just more and more startups popping up. More companies are raising lots of investor money. You know, investors back in the States want to invest in companies in Canada and Toronto. Uh, so, so just that general shift is mm-hmm. something that I've noticed. And, you know, a lot more people uh, are talking about tech now. You know, all, all, a lot of my accounting and finance colleagues are trying to move into tech. And that, that was something that no, I haven't noticed in the past few years. It's more of a recent thing. It, it's true. Um, I, I was actually talking about it uh, earlier today, too, about how a lot of my accounting friends are kind of, like, I'll, I'll catch up with them, and then they'll, I'll say, so what are you up to? And they're saying, oh, you know, I want to leave. And instead of the traditional industry route where you go be an accountant for like a big CPG company or a bank, like be a controller somewhere, they're all saying, oh, you know, I, I think I want to take some risks, and I want to I wanna join a tech company. I want to join a startup. And... Yeah, I think that number has definitely greatly increased in the past year or mm-hmm. like year or two for sure. Um, and so for the decision though of actually coming back and not joining another tech company in Toronto, but instead choosing to go down that partnership route, what what was your decision process there? Like you 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 said you were trying to create Tom Yam, um, yeah. but you were still taking on like freelance work on the side. Yes. So yeah, like what was your thought process behind all that? I don't think I wanted to join a company like right right when I come back. Um, I, I wanted, I think, there's a few things. So I think at this point in my life, I'm able to take a little bit more risk. And to me, taking more risk means not having to settle down into a full-time job. Um, you know, money isn't a very, very big thing that I need right now. So, you know, I came back with some savings, and that saving sort of allowed me to, you know, work a year without thinking like, oh crap, now I need to go find a job. Uh, I can work at my own pace, and I can experiment. And I think like this, this is my time because you know, eventually, I'm gonna have to start a family, and you know, I have real adult responsibilities. So before that begins, I wanted to give it one more shot. And so that one more shot was creating Tom Yum for the year. That was creating Tom Yum for the year. And again, like Tom Yum, it was more of like an online brand. I was still, I was still freelancing and I still am freelancing on the side. Tom Yum is just like an identity that I can use to say like, this is who we are. Like, it's, it's like, an, I feel like it's easier to market myself as a company um, than, than an independent team of designers. Until you eventually become an agency. Exactly. And... So when you're actually going out to find these corporate clients, like you have pretty big corporate clients, um, and how how do you get them in the first place? Like, do you just knock on their door by like cold emailing someone there and saying, "Hey, I'm a designer from San Fran. Do you need work? Like, do you need work done?" Yeah, a lot of it is cold emailing, and cold emailing does not work most of the time. Uh, we what we found now is like as we began as we begin to do more and more work for people. Um, word of mouth goes a really, really long way. I think we get, most our business now comes from referrals. Uh, 
I do have one corporate client and that was from you know sending a cold email and, and somehow that worked out but I would besides that I would say it's just referral based gotcha yeah and I think even for this podcast right now I would say a lot nowadays most of my podcast interviews actually happen from guests that were referrals from past guests instead of me cold emailing a bunch of people um, and yeah I think over time like I've, I've learned too that there's warm introductions just take you a long way in so many different ways but I think yeah the hard part is like getting the first client um, how like how did you go about proving that to like the first client so that was very difficult because again Tom Yum is a partnership and we wanted to market ourselves as one entity and I think early on we didn't know how to do that so so in our early client meetings like it was me and my partner sitting down and we would show them our individual portfolios and the feedback that we got was like why I feel like I'm hiring two people I'm not hiring like an agency I'm not hiring one entity so we went back to the drawing board and we figured like you know how can we sort of still use our port I mean that that's the only work we had we didn't have any work as a company but how do we how can we sort of like fake it till we make it and like position our work as if we did this as one entity uh, so we redid our portfolio um, and again it was like a lot of it was cold emailing and I think our first real client was it was a referral it was a referral from from another friend um, and we sort of used from there on it was just like a chain of referrals that was able to get us to where we are now and is the use of freelance designers a very common thing in the Toronto tech ecosystem yeah I think it's I, just just speaking for ourselves, I think it's uh, a better choice than to bring on someone full-time. We also can't afford someone full-time. So hiring freelance designers um, is sort of like a middle ground. Actually, it's, uh, I think I misinterpreted your question. So is your, are you saying that is it common to hire freelance designers as a company? Uh, yeah. Yes. So um, I, I think it's... Sorry, so I guess I'll reiterate. So like, yeah, so for example, if... If your client was one of the big banks, um, is it common for like these kind of companies to just hire a full agency instead of hiring an army of like ten, fifteen full time designers to come work internally at the bank? Yes. And I think a part of that is because it's it's hard to convince good designers to join a bank full time. So what they have to do is like offer you a contractor rate and and give you a little bit more flexibility to to outweigh the yeah. The, the negative view of working at a bank. Gotcha. And are the negative views realized from your experience? Uh, you know, I'm lucky to work for an innovative lab of a bank. So, you know, th they're trying to move away from the bank. So a lot of that is reflected in the people they hire in the office. So, like, I wouldn't say, like, for my big bank client, it's like, it's, it's not actually... It doesn't actually feel like I'm working for a bank, you know? Okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so as a as a freelance designer, um, I you know, I'd be curious to learn more about how your day actually like looks. So if you if you were to go through what you did, for example, today, from like the morning until by the time you go to bed, can you kind of walk me through your day for today? So today is a Thursday and yes. I'm recording this um, five like five, six PM. Um, in the afternoon so yep. yeah can you kind of take me through your day as a typical designer uh, so today I would say is a little bit of an atypical day okay I woke up at 7 for an 8 a.m. meeting 
uh, with one of our big contracts. Um, and that meeting went up until 11. So it was my design partner and I were at their office for that meeting. Um, and then uh, I went, we went our separate ways. I, I went to my bank client and I was there up until five working. Um, came here, I'm doing this podcast, and then I'm gonna go home and I have two other projects that I'm doing. So that's gonna take me all the way to one or two a.m. And then tomorrow I do that all over again. But <laughs> instead of starting at seven, I can start a little later. And we, we also talked about how uh, I, I, I personally don't have a good recollection of, recollection of what days of the week I'm in because every day is practically the same for me. I'm just constantly working on building out the podcast and just my company in general. Do you feel that yourself as well? Yeah, there's no such thing as weekends. <laughs> there's no such thing as weekdays. Every day is a work day. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I lose track of the days all the time. And uh, how many... How many I guess projects are you handling right now at once? So let me count one, two. So I used to do, I used to take on three clients at most. I think that was my limit. Uh, but I'm really bad at saying no. And, and things have gotten really busy, and now more and more people are coming to me. So at this moment, I'm taking on five. And I'm already, I'm stretched to my limit. So. I yeah. think I think that this is where it makes sense to then actually begin to uh, hire people. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think this is where you're trying to make the decision of. I think we're going to be an agency now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even if it's three of us, I think that's that's where we have to move in. Yeah, yeah. Like when when we were coming to the elevator, you were talking about how um, you're you're running on three four hours of sleep lately, yeah. and that's probably going to impact the amount of creativity you you can pump out as a designer. And I think there's a lot of research that shows, you know, being well-rested actually allows your brain to be more creative. And I think as a designer, a big part of your job is being creative. And so I think there would be that benefit if you did hire someone. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of the, the, the role that you play as a designer, though, like, what are you actually doing all day? What am I doing all day? Yeah, like, so when you're at this big bank client, are you... So I, I understand that designers have a tool that... Like, they have set tools that they use. Like, for example, you know, people in finance use a lot of Excel. So they stare at a lot of Excel. Like, consultants use PowerPoint. Do designers have to have the tool, tool called... Um, it's called Sketch? Yeah, right? so we use Sketch yeah. for UI, UX design. Yeah. Um, Photoshop, Illustration, Adobe Illustrator for logo design. Uh, envision for prototyping so so those are the tools we use but in terms of like what I do like a lot of my time isn't actually spent designing a lot of the time is spent on understanding the why of the business and figuring out like what sort of solution I can come up with to help move the business forward um, what sort of ideas or features I can put in an app to make it more engaging and a lot of that is just me just sitting there sketching or just me staring blankly into space and figuring that out. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not always on my computer, that makes sense. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just looking for inspiration. Um, sometimes it's playing around with other apps, other websites, understanding what makes that experience so intuitive, so addictive. Um, because design at the end of the day is just 
I would say design is just stealing other good design. Like you're not a lot of most things that are designed are are out there and people are using it and they're they're used to it. So it's like why come up with new things? So it's just a lot of my days just exposing myself to other good design. Yeah, I I don't remember what the exact quote is, but it's along the lines of I think it might have been Picasso or I don't I don't know maybe it's Da Vinci about how like great artists steal. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and I think that plays the fact of yeah, like humans have been around for a very long time, and there are plenty of ideas, and similar things keep on getting repeated, and it's I think it's just the application of so many different things that actually make it seem different but it might not really be that different from what it was decades ago or generations ago yeah but I think I think like what you're talking about I can somehow relate to where um, like you, when I was at when I was at the hedge fund um, I would just have hours where I just stare off into this like corner corner of like the ceiling where I'm just thinking about why why the market could be wrong about a stock idea mm-hmm. or where my edge was and just kind of thinking and trying to reminisce of what am I trying to do here what what is the thesis what is this company like what am I missing and yeah I'm just, try- I'm just trying to imagine seeing you just yeah. sitting there zoning off and yeah. thinking about all these different like design ideas as a designer though like I feel that like you you mentioned before that how you are very you know you're a more introverted person um, and you know having a lot of like discussions doesn't really energize you as much do you feel that as a designer though like there you need to be like somewhat extrovert to like defend your conviction of like a design and like you know stand for it as like the product designer think this is how it should be like this is what I think the design should be um, and having some kind of like a thesis presentation for it yeah for sure um, I think the role of the designer is also to convince product designers and engineers why why your solution makes sense and a lot of it, you know, the answer isn't always, oh, it makes sense because it looks good and it feels good. Sometimes it's, it makes sense because this is why it's going to benefit the business. And to be able to speak in that language uh, would really help convince and you know, get people on board with your ideas. Mm. And so if, if, for example, you had a friend who was an accountant right now and she wanted to go into design, how... How would you kind of guide her through like the steps or thought process that she should have as a designer? So kind of like if if there was some kind of mental checklist that she would, she should apply in terms of is she even a right fit for design or if she is a right fit, what would be her next steps then? Mm-hmm. I think the first step is to try to see the world as as a product designer as a designer. So, you know. Think about the the last app or the last experience that you've had that made you think, wow, that was really intuitive. That was really smooth. Um, you know, think about the last experience that was able to get you from point A to B, and really figure out like why that was so smooth. Um, a good designer's job is to make whatever the problem is easy to solve. Um, so sort of just exposing yourself and thinking about things that way instead of just appreciating and like appreciating something for what it looks like to be able to dig a little deeper into understanding the why and the how is the first step to being a designer and when you when you personally like as you know as part of Tom Yum like when you're hiring freelancers or uh, if you if if you did hire when you're at thanks 
did you care about like what the person's like background was or was it more just heavily weighted on like what their portfolio was i think it's portfolio does have a big part of it uh, but i much rather like to have a discussion with them about you know tech companies and startups and see how they they're able to hold this is me personally okay so i like to have that discussion see how they're able to hold up a discussion on that see what they're able to reference in their examples um, that sort of gives me a better idea about the way they think uh, rather than just um, looking at their work mm. and so then given like you place a lot of emphasis on how they think what what kind of trait do you think um, is really essential to become a good product designer that's a good question I, I, I gotta think about that for a bit oh yeah take your time um, I think what it really comes down to again is being able to ask the right questions the right business questions being able to ask why and keep digging deeper until you find the true reason for why you're building what you're building or why someone's asking you to build what, what they think they want you to build um, so I think it's more about understanding the why is there a recent example that you can walk me through of a process that you did of constantly digging through a why not at this moment <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I am sleep deprived. <laughs> no, no worries, man, no worries. Um, a, a question that I get quite often um, from my accounting friends is just like, they ask me for my opinion on what I think about um, like them doing like boot camps, like boot camps to be designers, boot camps to be like software engineers. So from your standpoint, as someone who um, came from a non-traditional background to be a designer, what's your point of view on boot camps? I like them. You know, I think they provide you with a very structured way of, you know, what you need to learn and and they give you real world projects to work on. Um, and they're able to like sort of set you on the right path of becoming a designer faster. So like for me to get to where I am, it took many, many years of just me figuring things out on my own. Whereas if you just do a boot camp in four months, you know, the whole curriculum is laid out for you. Everything that you need to do is there. They teach you what to, how to design, how to think. And when you're done the boot camp, you have their network. You're able to uh, leverage that and get a job pretty fast. I think a lot of people who go into these boot camps are able to land a job. So um, I'm all for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I was talking to one of the uh, venture capital firms, and one of them has like a talent team. And the director was saying how UXUI is one of the hottest jobs right now in Toronto. And just every startup is in need of a UX UI designer and I think it was Chris Saka from Lowercase Capital who practically said, said about how design will make the difference for this company's product because especially if you're like you know if people are using it you need something that is designed well for people to really adopt fast and use and actually uh, develop it into a habit of using. Do you, how do you think about like human behavior and habits when you're a designer? Does that apply a lot, like the human psychology aspect when you're designing things? Yes, all the time. Uh, and there's a book that I always like to reference, which is called Hooked. And 
Yes, I, I um, think you've read it. Yeah. Um. Uh, what's the author's name? El. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so that book talks a lot about psychology and talks about like why certain apps or products are addictive, and it really breaks it down into these four steps. Um, I think about that all the time. I think about like every single all the time when I design. I think about like how can I make this app or this thing I'm designing more addictive. How can I make people think about this as the solution when they encounter a problem? Mm-hmm. So all the time. And so for you personally, like you talked about how you think about making, you know, Tom Yum's not an agency yet, but there was like the emphasis on the yet. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, vision do you have? Um, of what you want to be doing, where you want to be in 10 years out. 10 years out, wow. Yeah. I think, ideally, 10 years out, I'd like to be an investor. But to be an investor, you got to make a lot of money. So from now until then, I need to somehow make a lot of money. Um, maybe Tom Yum is going to be sort of what enables that. So ideally, i like to see Tom Yum become an agency or a larger team of people, um, of designers, of engineers, um, and sort of I can leverage that team to start building out. I have a lot of like startup ideas, a lot of business ideas I want people to build out. Maybe I can use that team to start building out some of those ideas, um, as well as you know doing client projects. You know, sort of create like a labs division of Tom Yum um, to sort of do these experiential things. And if one thing sticks, becomes a business, grow it or sell it. I don't know. Um, and then become an investor. Why do you want to be an investor? Because I like to help other people make their ideas a reality. Like if I have, I think capital is a big blocker to a lot of potentially successful ideas, and I want to be able to enable that for people. So you'd probably want to be in like the early stage, like seed round. Seed venture. round, yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And I guess this is kind of coming from like was it like a frustration that you had personally where you felt like capital was a big block for what you wanted to do? Yeah, you know, whether it's building my app while I was in university or trying to build Tom Yum as an as a food app, uh, just didn't have the capital to hire engineers. Thankfully, like I, I'm able to cover the design side of things, so that's that's helpful. But at the end of the day, you still need money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you know people who are willing to help you for free or join your team for free. <laughs> and as we kind of wrap up to the final rounds of this interview, um, I'd like to ask you some kind of, you know, that one previously was one of the key questions I like to ask, but there are a few also kind of uh, final ending questions I like to ask all guests. Um, one of them is, if the 20-year-old Jason were to look at you right now, so the Jason of third year Waterloo, mm-hmm. um, like it's like a 3A term, I think would be and what do you think that Jason's emotional reaction to where you are at would be if you were to look at you now I think he'd be a little surprised uh, I was always high achieving and I've, I've, I always knew like I wanted to do big things when I grow up um, but I think I'm a little ahead of where I you know plan to be that's good. Yeah, so it's a good thing. Yeah, so be happily, happily surprised. Happily surprised. Yeah, and uh, if you could give advice to the twenty-year-old Jason, like advice you wish you had when you're twenty, what kind of advice would you give? 
20 year old Jason mm, get a design job sooner <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah listen to what you really love doing yeah don't, well, don't, don't hedge exactly exactly I think yeah I think that's a that's an advice um, one of my mentors also gave me too and um, like he runs like a private equity shop but he also runs a hedge fund on the side and he was saying nah don't hedge <laughs> Um, no, that's uh, that's great advice, and I think that's something I'm. I continue to try to embrace myself with just what I'm trying to do, but it could just be applied in so many different ways. Like I, I have a, tr- I have a lot of trouble too in terms of, you know, do I go all in just on a podcast, or am I just going to go all in on my company, just mm-hmm. in, in its entirety? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tough one that I always try to still find an answer for. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to find that answer, and like, I'm not great at it myself. I'm I'm diversified across a lot of smaller projects too. Five different clients, yeah, like five different clients. So, I wish I could help you there. <laughs> but I think what you're doing is good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast despite running on like three hours of sleep. <laughs> <No> problem. <laughs> All right. No, I really enjoyed the chat today, Jason, and I really do hope our listeners um, got a great look into like the world of design and if they want to be designers themselves can use you as like a you know a data point to chart their course with so thanks a lot for coming on the podcast yeah no problem thank you for having me all right great have a good one so thanks for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard please check out other episodes and don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date for the future episodes Also, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, whichever is applicable to you. To see past episodes, you can go to oldmandan.com slash podcasts. Also, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter on my blog, oldmandan.com slash newsletter. You can stay up to date with future podcast episodes that way, and included in the newsletter are my book reviews I write, my weekly article in the related to the domain of self-development systems, as well as seven things I learned throughout the week on being healthy, wealthy, and wise. Finally, special thanks to icons8.com for allowing me to use their music, Tiny People, on the podcast. Great. I will see you all next time. Take care.